This is good stuff. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe and Zen podcast. I'm Joseph Carpenter. And I'm Jacob Lartson. And together we are Carpe. And Zen. I brought my 1940s radio voice today. Did you? I don't know why. I brought matching pajamas. <laughs> Dude, okay, so you can't see <laughs> us right now. But, but, but just imagine. Two dudes. With matching pajamas. Matching pajama bottoms. Well, matching shirts, too. You got a shirts as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I got this brilliant idea like brilliant. a month ago. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know what we should do? Christmas cards. A company... Christmas card where we're matching pajamas. It's just the two of us. So, so, yeah. so I've had the idea. I finally, I finally went and went to JC Penney's yeah. and I got the, I got the pajamas, but everything was gone. <laughs> so, so I got matching Empire Strikes Back pajama bottoms and black shirts and, and we wore Santa hats. And they are comfy. They are. They are. You know what? What my wife told me today. What's that? The pajama bottoms are on half price right today. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, we could take them back. I don't know. No, maybe not. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> so we did a photo shoot right before recording so great. that we can send out our Christmas card. Yeah. Jacob's wife acted as our photographer and it was fantastic. Is that my son crying it in is. the background? Well, it's, it's not me. One of them. <laughs> I'm just crying <laughs> on the inside. I didn't know you could hear. Yeah. <laughs> as always. But that was fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to send that time. out to, like, you know, cast and crew from, from our projects. And mm-hmm. uh, and then, I mean, we'll post the picture. Right. We'll post the picture. Oh, but... we can send one, too. We'll send... <gasps> this is the kind of stuff you do on Instagram. Yeah. I'm going to send one to Chad. He's not going to like it. <laughs> He's not going to like our picture? I don't know. Maybe. Is it just going to remind them that we aren't done with the doc? Probably. Okay, first segment. Let's update on our projects. We're not done. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. No. Um, I mean, we've been working on some things. I'm, right. I'm a little over halfway editing Ace of Hearts, mm-hmm. our first narrative feature. Yeah. Uh, part of that, we did interviews with um, seven of the cast. That's right. We did like uh, a like a little miniature BTS doc. Yeah. I I mean the idea was like I, I thought it was interesting to tell the stories of the people who, you know, are doing low budget projects right. like this. C class. <laughs> you don't have to put a letter on it. Oh sorry. <laughs> because it'd probably be embarrassing if you did. <laughs> but uh I don't know what it's gonna be called, but I started syncing it and editing it and mm-hmm. grading it and you know That's having fun with it. Uh, two of the shots I need to find the sound because I couldn't find the sound for them, so it's not great. Dang it! <laughs> yeah, but the the rest is is probably okay. And yep. we know one of the shots was a little bit out of focus because we set focus and then he leaned back, right? Well, <laughs> and, I, and it was manually set. We were we were shooting on a center lens, so yeah. yeah. So it looks great, just yeah. a little blurry, just a little. Yeah. A little so soft. I mean, when it, I'll, I'll I'll cut everything together. Right now we have a little more than two hours mm-hmm. of wow. of interviews. And so we, you know, we chop that down. I mean, we might, I'm, I'm hoping we can have an interesting, you know, 60 minutes. I don't know. Well, if if anything, it's a, it's really kind of a testament specifically to Arizona filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and what, what's going on in the area, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I mean, how big is the audience for that? Not, not, not huge. (laughs) Well, I think anyone who's interested in, in, acting and and actually looking behind the curtain for what you know anything short of you know the huge productions yeah this is what it looks like Mm -hmm. and even though we're talking about arizona this is probably happening all over the country not less i mean the whole world definitely yeah right these micro budget productions right especially right now yeah especially right now so i did some math oh how much math can we afford don't, it? Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So I we started looking at what it would... Okay. So this time around, um, we didn't really have much of a budget. I mean, we paid for catering out of pocket for, for Ace of Hearts. Oh, for Ace. Yeah. So we paid out of pocket and, you know, everyone knew ahead of time that they, they weren't getting, you know, SAG rates or something for, for making the movie. Everyone right. signed off on that. But we started to look at what it would cost if we were actually to pay. Mm-hmm. So SAG has different contracts, right? Um, and they're I don't know what they call it, ultra low budget or something like that. Yeah, budgets below two hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. which <laughs> yeah. 
yes, that's us. Below like five? (laughs) (laughs) What about 5,000? But it's it's about $125 a day Uh for the actors. Plus expenses. <laughs> Plus expenses. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of going through and figuring out what what are the expenses. Well, one of the big expenses is our people had to drive into town from right. here. You mm-hmm. know, they're driving. And so you take the, the IRS mileage rate. Mm-hmm. And then you take averaging, I don't know. Well, you take the, the IRS suggested travel stipend rate for, for meals. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it would be less if we we're catering, but if if it was actually just a meal stipend, yeah, and and estimating about a hundred dollars for a hotel, mm-hmm. one day for one of our actors to come out would be four hundred dollars. Yeah. So, if we did like, some fundraising, yeah, then that's a number we would keep in mind for every single day someone's coming out from and, out of town. We want to have four hundred dollars per day for them. And did we have eighteen? shoot days we had about 18 shoot days yeah i think 18 is about the number mm-hmm. i mean uh, 18, would we pay ourselves yeah, obviously the, you shoots. know we're not paying for travel transportation necessarily for ourselves right but if we paid ourselves for acting and, mm-hmm. and whatever which we didn't do either which like in hindsight it's kind of a lot of shoots um 18 yeah well i mean it's it's short for a feature right but it's it's a lot of days yeah i mean <laughs> So I watched uh, the movies that made us, like Christmas movies that made us. Right? Yeah, on Netflix. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's great if you guys get a chance to, if if, if you like Christmas movies, it's that time of year. Eh, check it out. Um, anyway, they had exactly thirteen days to shoot everything in Elf in the city. Oh, they had thirteen days in New York. And that, that was it. That was all they had. Any, are we talking like exteriors? All the exteriors. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. so Central Park, um, you know, everything. There was a lot of stuff at the end. Yeah. Central Park, everything at the end. Uh, Is that actually Central Park? Yeah. That they shot in? Yeah. They shot. Yeah, well, no, that's a lot. They, when they're um, like singing. And... Yeah. Nah, they explained exactly. Like I knew the corner. Like I'd been there. I'm like, oh man, I've, I've freaking seen that. Um, but yeah, the, the Lincoln Tunnel, all that and everything. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Like apparently they just shot it gorilla style. They, you know, they didn't tell anybody. They just put Will Ferrell out in the middle and Will Ferrell wasn't uh, popular at the time. I mean, he wasn't, he this wasn't. This is post Saturday Night Live though, right? He, you know, he was big in Saturday Night Live, but he'd never helmed a feature before. So it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't. This is before yeah. a lot of his. Okay. Yeah. So he wasn't super recognizable. I mean, obviously it was weird, but I mean, if you spend any amount of time in New York, like this is just kind of the stuff that you see sometimes. There's, there's a lot of weirdos. There's <laughs> a lot of and a lot of yeah. There's yeah. a guy walking around dressed as an elf. Whatever. <laughs> love you, love you, love you. But apparently he went up to the guy dressed as Santa, right, in, in the red suit. Yeah. Dude wasn't an actor. Just just a random guy. <laughs> oh wow. They said, hey. Yeah, go do it. I, I'm sure they went and spoke to him later and got his permission to be in the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're gonna do. But they're gonna do everything. I thought that was funny. But yeah, I mean, 13, 13 days, days for all the exteriors in New York, and they they had why why is it so short? They they were on a really limited budget, huh? And it wasn't really a New York based film. Which really? Th- yeah. So it, it's really did they shoot the rest in Hollywood on a stage? Uh, the rest was in Vancouver. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where you go for a budget, right? Yeah. Huh. So, anyway, it was really interesting. Okay. And, I mean, like, 19 days is is pretty quick, uh, I think, for a a small feature, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as I hear people say how many they did, I mean, that's that's maybe a few days short than what some productions might Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, Yeah, 20 20 to 25 or something like that. And basically what we did was, you know, we have people come out on weekends we did have one stretch of about four days straight yeah, four days where, where we just where we had one of our our actresses come in from texas mm-hmm. and then we, so we just shot 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 yeah yeah and we but had for the her, most part is one day maybe two days in a row and luckily most of the film takes place within a 48 hour time period so yeah <laughs> it was pretty and, easy and to shoot around there's some continuity issues <laughs> because of that <laughs> But, you know, shooting a little bit before we got yeah. shut down by the, I mean, I say we, like, I mean, yeah. all of Arizona was shut down in mm-hmm. April. 
and then we we came back later in in May and June and finished it, which really didn't affect us too much. Like we really only lost what three four weeks. Yeah, probably three four weeks. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. and even then, because we was shot like, the last day we could in yeah March. Right. Yeah, because our like we met all the guidelines. We we had a small enough crew, small enough cast. Yeah, we are below ten. Yeah. So, which was kind of one of those yeah. marker days, you yeah. know, but also at the time, like Hollywood had no idea what they were doing. They were just completely yeah. shut down. Yeah. Uh, things were different back then <laughs> a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was, I mean, it was, a, it was an interesting time to be trying to shoot something, Oh yeah. but we, um, yeah, so we, we got, we got some day shot and we, part of that, we shot interviews right. that we want to turn into a. And we want to turn into its own yeah, this little doc. doc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I thought that that was going to be good. So we're going to have to interview ourselves and, uh, and add that to the production. And, and then you just kind of tell this whole story and then bring in some of the, the BTS footage yeah. to, to connect everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I think I keep thinking about, cause I knew this project was hanging around in the background. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about everything that's happened in the lives of our actors since yeah. this point. Like Sean, he bought a house in California. He's blown up. He retired from from the police from department, the police department in Tucson, mm-hmm. and he's he's bought a house in California, and he's yeah. moving. Um, and he's landed roles like he's not. Yeah, no, he's currently on a, a what's it called? It's this uh, tennis movie with Will Smith. Uh-huh. I f- I forget what it's called, but he's he's on that movie, mm-hmm. um, and he's not far down the list. <laughs> I mean, he's. I, it, it was such a great flex like yeah. that the video yeah. it's like a screen capture of him just scrolling down IMDB yeah. like it starts with Will Smith and it scrolls down to show him <laughs> boom <laughs> what a fantastic yeah. flex Sean Sean is a a really talented actor um, yeah and could like he's got so much range I did not expect him to have that much range he was great. Yeah, he's and he's got a great voice. Yes, he's got a great voice, he's and he controls a, it. He's got a voice for radio. Yeah, he's got a great voice. Ocho, mm-hmm. he's had a really interesting career since we we shot because he, I mean, he's super busy. He's yeah. been super busy, but he's developed this partnership with um, Gary Lee Vincent, mm-hmm. and, and now he's like a partner. And whatever burning for bulb. their for yeah. burning bulb which is going to help distribute our film right and they're working together on that and they're they're producing and Killing distributing it. and and making movies yeah. and that's cool yeah i mean there's there's a lot of things happening um justice mm-hmm. she shot an episode or two in yellow uh for yellowstone the tv show mm-hmm. um i'm just like it's there's been a lot that they've been up to since we shot uh, Rev is going to be in uh, that, oh, Rev? That, that Top Gun kind of movie. No, no, he already did that one. Yeah, yeah. He did that ahead of time. Okay. But yeah, but that, no, Rev got cast into something recently. That's dropping soon. If it's not dropped already, I just haven't seen it. That one might be out. <clears throat> but yeah, no, he got cast in something recently. Mm-hmm. Vic's got like this talk show yeah. out of Phoenix. Uh-huh. There's there's a lot of great things happening. We, yeah. we have fantastic cast and we they're, got really lucky <laughs> there and there and it's going to be interesting because you know a lot of them will have been interviewed and right that's going to be uh it's going to be interesting when it drops yeah yeah we, we got we got lucky with the people that we got to work with for sure and mm-hmm. there wasn't a single person on the set that wasn't absolutely fantastic you know didn't that didn't produce that didn't give their all it worked out better than it should have yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> we had a really great time filming, filming with those people a good project so, yeah yeah all right so now what well let's talk about what's kind of going on in the world of filmmaking right now okay one of the big things is warner brothers warner i don't brothers. know if we talked about this we, the we, other day we touched on it briefly Did um we? they yeah. just announced that they're just Everything that's coming out next year. Also streaming. Also streaming the same day it hits theaters. Yeah. So this may not sound like a huge deal, right? This may sound like just, okay, like what's, who cares, right? Netflix has been doing this for a while. The point is, this is Warner Brothers and they're a heavy hitter in the movie world. Uh Now this changes the dynamic of how money is made in movies. And it's a really big deal for 
how people involved with the movies get paid. Right. Especially actors, residuals. Yeah. Actors typically get, they get their paycheck for showing up. Right. And then they get residu, which is why they go on tour and talk about it with, you know, all the talk show hosts and everything, you know, go see this film, go see this film because that's, that's how they make their money. I don't know, man. Typically large power shifts like this don't usually go well in the world of business. <laughs> It's, I, I mean, I see why they're doing it. No, no, yeah. And I don't know what the math is because I'm yeah. an English teacher. <laughs> I don't know what the math is, but I'm really curious. I was, I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, script notes. They, they reposted an episode from like 2011 or something okay. where they break down how money works in Hollywood. Right, right, and right. And it's, it's incredibly in depth. But they saw how relevant it was to this moment, especially in response to like Warner Brothers and everything. Uh-huh. So they just reposted it. And it's yeah. fantastic how it explains everything. But it's it's really a huge change in how everything works. One of the things I'm really curious about is if you cut out the theaters completely from this model, which Warner Brothers isn't doing. No. But if you cut out the theaters, that's a really and you have your own avenue for streaming, right. like you are the distribution channel, mm. you are cutting out a significant portion of the money that goes to someone else. Right. You're cutting out a lot of third party. So it makes sense why Disney Plus is like Disney's going all in on Disney Plus. Right. Because they already have the infrastructure. I mean, aside from some marketing. Yeah. But well, they're they just, also, they just have to put the thing out. Yeah. They're also under contract though for distribution Disney, you know, so there's, there's a, there's a power struggle there as well. Right now, DVD sales have kind of dried up anyway. Right. Right. Like it just, you just don't see much of it anymore. You know, I, I, I don't know the numbers, but the $5 bin at Walmart is almost doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> I mean, cause it's, it's so easy to find things streaming on a, on a Netflix, yeah. on a Hulu, on a, all the other services. And now you can download it and buy it and own the movie without mm-hmm. ever having to have a hard copy. Now, there is some weird stuff. Like I, I heard uh, Amazon actually had to go to court over something like that. What they were selling was a downloaded version of the movie that you could download and I think have forever. But you couldn't always get back to it in the archives. Oh, yeah. Because they, they only bought... Um, you know, they only had distribution for six years or whatever. Oh, okay. So that, that, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. So that's a huge problem. <clears throat> but any, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried mm-hmm. just be, just because there's such a shift of, of money, right? When there's big shifts of money like this, like when the housing market falls out, for example, a lot of the middle guys, they can't survive. You know what yeah. I mean? And in this case, that's kind of theaters, especially some of the, the smaller, you know. Like our theater chain. Like, like our theater chain. They've oh. just they've just closed. They're not out of business. Yeah. But it doesn't make financial sense for them to be open right now. They wanted to wait for more movies to come out. Mm-hmm. So, like, Friday, there's the Monster, whatever, the Mila Jovovich movie. Yeah, Monster Hunter. Yeah. And then we have, after that, we've got Wonder Woman. So, I wonder if they're going to open up again. I hope so. Because at least for a few weeks. Well, I mean, just knowing the size of their building, you know, what they have to pay in rent. Yeah. And then what they must owe on the restructuring of the building, you know, and the mortgage. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I really hope that, I don't know. I I hope that somehow we can get back to a place where we can keep movie theaters alive. Because this happened before and it was like the 1920s 1930s people just stopped watching movies and hollywood just kind of stopped making them and a bunch of movie theaters went out of business yeah i mean and they were all like smaller privately owned the bigger boys survived right but that right. essentially when when movies boomed again after the war after the second world war uh that that's what that's that's where the infrastructure for movie theaters kind of comes from now that we know so i i, I don't know I'm, I'm bummed. Like, I, I love movie theaters. It's, I mean, one of the things we always do as a birthday is we, we take each other out for a movie, right? Yeah. Mandate. We call it a mandate. <laughs> Must be done. But we've, 
we've gone through we've each had a pandemic birthday without a movie yeah and i mean this is a i would have had like like black widow yeah and i don't know what we would have had in october i would have had because eternals was supposed eternals. to come out in november but that that no. would have been a little bit later i don't even know what my birthday movie was gonna be yeah i don't know I, was it wonder woman it might have been Wonder no, Woman. No, I think that was supposed to be summer release. Oh, okay. That was supposed to be summer. Yeah, everything's off. Yeah. Everything is off. It is. I don't know. It's a bummer. But, I don't know. We'll see We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I don't want movie theaters to die. I don't either. I don't either. I don't think anyone does. No, no. Like I, I don't think there's a significant evil out there working against movie theaters. No, and it, it, I mean, I'm sure the studios, they, they know the math. They know exactly what the math is. Yeah. They're going to make more money with theaters, yeah. but they also have to hedge their bets. They have to know how to continue, even if theaters can't open. Yeah. And because they're big enough and they each have their own streaming services now, mm-hmm. they can continue to release movies and make money. Yeah. Even if theaters don't open. Well, but see, this is like what happens to the money industry of this. This means, you know, this means no more huge budget films. It's really going to change things going forward. Now, personally, what I foresee, I foresee long form storytelling becoming a much bigger way. I mean, and and it already is, right? And Netflix kind of introduced us to that. The Netflix and chill, sit down and binge an entire show. Right. Is that what that means? <laughs> That's what that means. Uh, <clears throat> but <laughs> at the same time, I can see, I can see studios and uh, filmmakers really doubling down on this. Like, like we were talking about last week with, uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. We, well, we were talking about, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. right. Now that just looks like a six hour movie. It is a six hour movie, which is like, that's what they're calling it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love mean, that. I mean, a six hour movie that you can make for, you know, whatever, 70 million, 80 million. Heck yeah. As long as you've got the streaming, that's great. I mean, I, I like that idea. I think that's a great idea. But the, the $250 million budget movies, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen to them, you know, which is, which is a bummer because, and, and now they can probably cut out some of the middleman when it comes to advertising. Right. Um, and that's one of the other things that they get out of having a something come out on streaming right with distribution with multiple forms of distribution at the same time is they only have to do one marketing push right they don't have to do two so marketing budget is is smaller yeah so i mean and netflix has kind of led the way in this for a while like what do they do they drop a they drop a a A whole season well they they drop a whole season all at once Mm -hmm. right and they tell barely anybody they may advertise it like four months earlier on YouTube. Yeah. You know, and they don't like, I don't know how much on how hard they push the ads. Yeah. But, but like right now I've noticed a little bit of a marketing push from, from Netflix, mm-hmm. but they have this like screen that like, I don't know, scrolls through and it shows other movies that are coming out now. So it might focus on movie a, yeah, like the, the new Chadwick Boseman movie. Okay. It's coming out on Netflix. But then afterwards it has like this like, you know, it goes through and it shows, you know, almost like film strips going up and yeah. down from a, a couple different movies. And so you, you're advertising five movies, but highlighting one of them. Uh-huh. And then they have another version of the commercial that highlights one of the others. And, and so, I mean, it, that, that's kind of what they're doing right now. They're yeah. advertising a couple different. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see, because entertainment's not going away, um, but the the dynamic is going to shift. And one of the biggest changes in that dynamic is how much people are willing to pay. Yeah, you know, like it's people spent the pandemic and are continuing to spend the pandemic being entertained, mm-hmm. but now they have to do it from home. Uh-huh. But you know, they're not spending ten bucks to watch a movie. They're spending, you know, 15 bucks for a month of movies. Right. Which really changes the dynamic there. So, you know, these services have to figure out the economics of how can I push out all this stuff at the quality that people expect Yeah, through a subscription model as opposed to a one-off. Mm-hmm. 
which so far has worked out. Like Netflix just mints money. Yeah. Disney Plus, they said they have what sixty million subscribers. It's it's much higher than that. I heard two numbers which conflicted, so I'm really confused. Okay. I heard one was something like seventy eight million. Okay. But that was lower than another number I had heard that was more like 130-something. So I don't know what these two numbers are coming from. I think like, the last I heard was like 60, 60 million. Yeah, it's it's high, Which and is it's higher lot. than they expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot. I just canceled mine. <laughs> I'm, Disney? I got married. Plus? I got married, and we don't need new two Disney Pluses. No, you don't need to. That's. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Friday is the, the season finale I'm of Mandalorian. I'm are you kidding me? idiot. What? <laughs> You're going to come over here. Okay. I'll cover Disney Plus. You cover HBO Max. We uh, good? I, I can say this on the air. My wife doesn't listen to the show. I think that's her Christmas present. I think we're getting HBO Max. <laughs> I just, it's I just, a bit pricey. I recently got pricey. I, I recently got my job back, so that's my splurge. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so there's something else that we we're starting to talk about next year mm-hmm. and how we're going to do things moving forward. We know we want to finish our Christmas big projects is next week. I know, I know, but dude, I'm, I'm talking about next year. Oh, it's so close. Okay, and uh, I I was listening to. Uh, a podcast where they're interviewing the CEO for Substack. Substack is like an email newsletter subscription service. Mm-hmm. Think of it kind of like Patreon for people who do email newsletters, right? right? Almost like a like a magazine subscription. Yeah, yeah but that, it's, that it's a good way to put it. It's an infrastructure for uh, independent writers, right? And so I was looking at it, and I, I brought it up to, to Joseph. And I think what we're going to do is we're, we're going to have a newsletter. We're going to write some articles for it. We're not going to put it behind a, a subs- subscription. It's just going to how we're going to build up our email list so that we can communicate with people. And the incentive is, you know, we're going to provide, provide value. And so we there's, an, there's a, a name we've been floating around for a project we're going to do in the future called Part-Time Filmmaker. And we thought that's what we call this newsletter, part-time filmmaker. Yeah. Now, if you go to carpeanzen.substack.com, uh, our, our newsletter will pop up. We haven't sent out an issue yet, um, but we're getting everything set up. <clears throat> and the idea is that it's, it's going to line up with the podcast. It's going to line up with what we do on the blog uh-huh. and videos we make. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to start getting a little more... I don't know. Hopefully consistent with how we communicate to our fans. Yeah. So, I mean, so you can know what's coming up. Right. But also, you know, little tutorials, tips, whatever Mm -hmm. that we're going to put into a video and in a podcast and an article, the newsletter is going to be a way for us to communicate and share that. And you can always keep up to date on what we're up to and what we're, uh, we're putting out. So subscribe now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you can just go to carpeanzen.com. It's yeah. it's got a link there too. Yeah, I was working on that today. Shameless plug. We need to get better on shameless plugs. <laughs> like, we need to get a lot better at it. We talk about like ninety percent of what we talk about is the movie. <laughs> Not even close to ninety percent, but we do talk about it. That is for sure. Sixty-five percent. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're. We've got some ideas. Um, if there's something specific you'd like to hear for like to, for us to dig into. Yes. I mean, over the last several years of us just teaching ourselves how to shoot a feature-length doc, a mm-hmm. feature-length narrative movie, how to learn casting and all this stuff, we've built up a lot of knowledge and experience. Right. We just want to share it. Yeah. And it's free. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless we get just a ton of people and then it would make sense to offer something additional that people yeah. are willing to pay for. That's the only time we're going to put it behind a paywall. Yeah. So, I mean, really, if, if you're interested in filmmaking at all, you know, there's tons of different resources. There's tons of different resources. But. Because uh, I figure I figure what we have, there's there's got to be other people out there like us that, you yeah. know. They haven't dropped everything. They haven't, you know, quit their day job and they're just, you know, going all in on wedding films or whatever. Because right now, it's not good economy for wedding films. But there are people who are, you know, they're filmmakers. They want to do projects, but they've got the day job. Right. 
that's us. Yeah. We're not quitting our day jobs as much as we might like as to. <laughs> as much as we might like to. But we are, uh, we're not off. letting that stop us. We're yeah, still going to just go make films. Yeah. So. Part-time filmmakers. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> anyway, that's something we're working on going yeah. into next year. So thinking about that, I dropped the guitar pick I was holding. Oh, no. It's all right. You threw it to the audience. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone forever. Okay. So we currently have been shooting our projects on the Canon US R. Right. With uh, recording externally onto Atomus Ninja, Ninja V, uh, you know, so we can shoot 10 bit 422. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's been great. It's been fantastic. I love grading it. It's got a lot of versatility. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, but we've been talking, <laughs> okay, what's the next step? Like, what's, what's the next step up? And uh, as much as I have some ideas, I think Joseph is starting to give in. <laughs> And he's like, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think we need to look at a cinema camera. Now we are not even like, I, I, I don't know how else to put this, but we're not very popular like YouTubers, right? Like, yes, we have a YouTube channel. Jacob's like searching for the pick. Like his life depends on it right now. You're talking so I can find <clears> it. <throat> um, you, you know, we're not the, uh, we're not, we're not those guys that are going to go out and spend $10,000 on a camera to shoot the talking heads for our, for our YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> but if we had one, we'd be using it. But if we had one, obviously we'd be using it. Um, so now we're kind of getting to a point where it's, we really want to make something as high quality as possible. Right now, when we shot ACE and, and when we shot the doc, really, mm-hmm. we, we worked with precisely what we had. Um, I mean, you, for the dock, you got the R. Yeah. And then we used it again for Ace. Uh-huh. We just uh, got a couple extra lights. And actually, th- this, is a, this is a great story. And uh, a lens. I saw some... Uh, so I, I was watching this thing on, on lifters, and there was... Uh, it was a small film that they were making of this woman. I, I can't remember her name, but she was at uh, Memphis. Okay. When we were filming there. Mm-hmm. And I remember it distinctly because I'm thinking, oh, we were there. We were shooting that. And it looks very similar to what we were shooting. And oh. I'm pretty sure it was the guy with the red. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? we, we saw someone there with the, with the red. Yeah. A, a red and a and he, he had the over the shoulder, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I just I'm, remember it on the tripod. Fly, fly up, cam. Yeah. Fly cam. That's what he had. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And we, we lusted after it pretty hard. But his his footage looked great, mm-hmm. and I think back on our footage, I'm thinking that's pretty much exactly what we shot. You know, our, I don't think our footage looks any different. Um, so that was kind of a kind of a, a, a boost. You felt um, good. I felt, I felt good about felt, that. Real good. Real good. But if we're gonna continue, and we've got a few different things in mind, like we really have a dock that we'd really like to shoot. We have a good friend. Uh, yeah. Who's made this amazing fitness journey and it's not the fitness journey that everyone sees on TV. It's, no. it's, it's not the one that you see and they're like, Oh, in a year and I got really fit and then I got the surgery and then I got this and that. No, he's, he's struggled for so long mm-hmm. and he's had setbacks and it's been, it just feels real. I mean, cause it is real. It's not yeah. the, you know, it's, it's not done up and he doesn't have a film crew following him around. And then the great thing about him is he's already makes a ton of his own content he's very well spoken and we just we really want to build a story out around him oh my gosh one of the 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 parts of this the specific story is that he had the opportunity to train to go climb mount kilimanjaro which and it's which is just a a fantastic you know metaphor for his fitness journey um now when he he climbed it he got oh few thousand feet from the top then he got altitude sickness and he wasn't able to summit um so he plans on going back and so he goes and he when he can on the weekends he'll he'll go climb he rocks yeah yeah and so he he does a whole lot of training right now you know and he and he'll post updates and kind of like you know the status of 
of how things are and the pandemic's been really difficult for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the future, he plans on heading back up there again. And we want to, I mean, we may not be able to be on that specific climb ourselves, but mm-hmm. we want to record that journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, the project's going to be called something like Summit. Yeah. Or something like that. It's just, and I mean, we've, we've talked to him briefly about it. He's, he's tentatively agreed yeah. to do it. Um, yeah. But I think once we sit down and really have a meeting with him and once, cause I mean, when have you not sat down with him with Hiram and had his brain just oh. your brain and his brain and everything just meld together? I mean, we get each other. We, we met, oh man, 20, oh man, I don't even know how many years ago. Many years. Maybe. Yeah, probably about 20, about 20 years it, ago. Yeah. We've been friends a long time. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. He also does some independent film projects mm-hmm. when he can. Like we, we get each other and he's got a great story. Yeah. And it, like I, his reticence was like, what, what do I have to tell? You right. know, but it's like, are you kidding me? This is, this is a fantastic story. He posts like three times a day, man. <laughs> he's, he's great. He'll, yeah. he'll, I mean, he holds himself accountable by posting his workouts mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And he's, he's got a great story to tell. It's a fantastic story, which needs to be told as a doc. Yeah. So with projects like this, the question is, what's the right camera for that project? Knowing right. that we also want to do narrative features like Ace in the Future. Oh, right. by the way, I think I figured out how to do Timeless today. Oh. I think I figured it out. Are we going to talk about that in the podcast? <laughs> We're going to talk about it at some point. Okay. But, okay, so we've got more features and docs. Yeah. They're not necessarily the same equipment. Right. And we've also got, we've got a short that's turning very quickly into a longer movie. Which one? <laughs> the the diner one. Oh, no. Yeah. I kind of envisioned that as a feature anyway. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I kind of I envisioned that as a feature. He hit me up and he's like, all right, here, this is a short. We and also like, came up with two other, <laughs> I think right now we have about four feature ideas. Yeah. Four narrative features. Right. And at least one solid doc feature. Mm-hmm. I would like to do one on education as well. Like what it's been like for teachers and students during the pandemic. Like I think there's a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. And I'm starting to get motivated. <clears throat> wow, we could do that as a doc. Definitely it could be a good doc. I think it'd be a great doc. We could travel all over Arizona. We could talk to dozens and dozens of people at multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we have access to it. You know, you're a teacher. I teach at college. You teach at college. Yeah. There's plenty that we can do there. You just you just pick a couple different perspectives to tell and you yeah. just boom, you go for it. Yeah. This should be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. We also came up with a zombie movie. <laughs> like we've had a lot of ideas and honestly purely by accident. We kind of got some great ideas. <laughs> okay, so what's the right equipment for the job, Joseph? I don't know. Knowing for the next step, like we we have the EOSR. <laughs> We know we can record broadcast quality 10 bit, right? Mm-hmm. We know it's, it, we can record C log. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, two, three with, with a higher dynamic range, but it's, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. But we're talking what's next step. Yeah. So I think that the top contenders, they're all kind of in that five, $6,000 range right now. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of the market right now. I mean, assuming you you jump over the pocket cameras right. from Blackmagic, uh-huh. which are fantastic cameras, mm-hmm. but if you jump over those... Lots of features have been made on them. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to have the robustness and the stability, though, that we want. I, I think it's the I.O. and the other things that really make the production mm-hmm. easier. Mm-hmm. Why it's like, ah... Yeah. I mean, can you shoot a feature on any on on the Pocket Six K? Absolutely. Will yeah. it look good? Yes. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna. I mean, there's a little bit to to try to make the the audio work, you know. But the, I mean, it's pulling a great image. Yeah. There's a lot of good things about it, but it's just it's bulky and it's not it's not a, a cinema body. Right. So there's the Canon. The C70. Yeah, the C70 or the C500. I don't know. Whatever there. It's it's a step above the C70. It's a little bit more mini. 
Um, I'm thinking a similar price range. We're probably looking at like C200. I think I have a couple of models like the B. No, I'm thinking of the 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 4K one. Okay, the, yeah, yeah, I think 100 is 2K. Yeah, I think 200. I was skimming through specs the other day, and I could be remembering wrong. It might be 4K. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's. But it's not the mirrorless body like the C70. Is. Right, right. Um, the C70 is. Uh, F F class, which is great. You love RF, dude. It's just it's the future. It's right? great, and, and and like I, now I'm not somebody that doesn't like um, the old stuff because I do. You know, I regularly shoot on old lenses. Like one yeah, of my, you just picked up some old lenses. Yeah, one of my favorite lenses to shoot on around the house or whatever when I'm feeling like I need to be creative. Mm-hmm. Like I go grab this 58 millimeter that was built in 1968. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I adapt it to my camera, and it shoots at 1.7. Nice. So creamy, right? And it's slightly off, you know, the edges, but I, I like that. It's not as tack sharp as anything else that I have, but I've, you know, I enjoy shooting with it. Um, but if I need to just get work done, right? Like, I, I was a photographer for a company. I've got a lot of, I've got some great lenses. Yeah. I almost always end up with the RF. Because yeah. it's the most versatile, it's the fastest to play with, you know, to, to, to dial in the right settings. I mean, it only shoots at f4, but it's my go-to lens. Um, because it's full frame, it still has the benefits of, of a lot of extra the depth of field that's created by that. Yeah. And it's, it's as tack sharp as anything out there. It's pretty good. I mean... Almost I, a bit I, too much. Yeah. I, like, maybe... Maybe some of the Sigma art lenses are a little bit sharper, but I was looking at, so, so I was looking at that interview footage that we did for the, the acting doc uh-huh. and like the stuff we shot on the cinema lens. So creamy. Yeah. And then the other stuff is just like, it's like that tack sharp. Yeah. We have a, a Rokinon DS 35 millimeter. Yeah. The, the DS. Yeah. 35. Yeah. So if, if you're not familiar with that lens, it's kind of the EF mount. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say it's, it's the poor man's cinema lens. Um, I mean, there's a couple brands that, that do it. The, the Mika and, and yeah. whatever, like, you know, but Rokinon is, it's, it's good. They make cinema glass affordable. Yes. Right. And they have essentially three different ranges of their cinema glass. And this is kind of the middle, the middle ground. Um, and it's, it's great glass, but like all cinema lenses that I'm starting to learn, it's just a little bit soft. It doesn't matter how no. much, and, and maybe it's just this one, you know, I've shot on a couple other cinema lenses now, mm-hmm. uh, just playing around with them and they're, they're all just a little bit soft. Like it doesn't I like it though. Yeah. I do like it. Well, no, it, it, it gives it a filmic look, mm-hmm. right. Rather than a, I don't know, early two thousands. Uh, Telemundo. (laughs) Yes, a little bit too sharp. (laughs) Where everything was, and like I get it. I, 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 especially back then, I got it. It was like, oh, HDR, HDR, we can see everything. But did we really need to see everything? (laughs) And really, within three years, it was gone. You know, within five years, it was gone completely. Just nobody shoots that way anymore. You know, there are a couple movies that came out uh, shot like that. And they're generally hailed as not good movies, not because they're good, not because they're not good, but because people don't like to watch them, <laughs> you know, um, public enemy number one, I think with, uh, Johnny Depp, Okay. they shot it like a super high frame, right? Oh yeah. There's a little bit of experimenting going on and they shot, uh, and they shot HDR and it's weird. You know, he's hiding behind a tree ready to shoot this guy and they're both in perfect focus. But not in the way that they did like a split screen and brought, you know, like this shot next to this shot. No, it's nighttime. They're blasting the crap out of it with light and yeah, they're shooting it like F10 or something like that. And they're getting that wide. You can see everything. Depth of field. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's just. It, yeah. Our eyes <clears throat> have been, been trained to certain things are the cinematic, you know, the 24 frames, yeah. like our eyes used to that specific, uh-huh. you know, frame rate, the appropriate shutter, you know, 
speed and whatever with it and a certain softness and the mm-hmm. certain things that we expect. Like I have softened, intentionally softened the image on Ace so that it looks more filmic uh-huh. and less like we shot it on a video camera. <laughs> and you know what? Works. It works. It looks works. better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just... It's just one of those things, you know, after a hundred years of film being made this way and suddenly it doesn't need to be made this way anymore. eh, People just kind of prefer the old way. Right. It's kind of like when, like in the sixties when they thought 3d was going to take over the world. Right. Yeah. 3d's had a couple of waves and it's just, uh, didn't happen. Happened again in the eighties. Didn't happen. Happened again in the early two thousands. Didn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, so there's the the C70. Mm-hmm. It's it's got all the right I/O. It's very portable. It can mm-hmm. can fly on fly on a gimbal. It's got the RF mount. It's got some great features, and it's that like fifty five hundred six thousand. I forget. I think it's I think it's fifty six hundred dollars. Okay. You also have around the same price range. Maybe this is six thousand. It's the Sony FX six. Which has fantastic low light capabilities, all the I/O, all the all the same features, but it's not RF glass. It's it's Sony E mount. It's E mount, um, and it's got a lot. And of, it's full frame. Yeah, the C70 is Super 35. Yeah, which is interesting. Now, mm-hmm. I've never shot on a Super 35 before. Have you? I don't think we've ever had anything. No, but the 6K is mm-hmm. the uh, the Pocket 6K the is Super 35. Pocket, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because the we, I mean, sort of yes and no. Um, so the R is is full frame, mm-hmm. but it crops in when you record in 4K. Right. So like we were jumping back and forth between 4K and and 1080p. You know, the 2K mm-hmm. image that we were we were shooting on Ace. So like we we jump back and forth. I don't know how close that 4K is to 35 or not. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, there's the uh, Blackmagic 12K. Yes, which is just short of 10,000. Uh-huh. And that, that's kind of, that's playing up in the C500 range. Yeah, that's getting closer Canon. to that. They also have the the 4.6K Gen 2 version of the Ursi, Ursa, mm-hmm. Ursa Mini Pro. That's around that $6,000 range, too. Yeah. And it's got... Is that an EF mount or is that a... You can get an EF or PL. Okay. Yeah. Wow, PL. It's old school. <laughs> well, that's that's the movie. Yeah. That's... That is the... I mean, I, I think... zero PL glass. <laughs> I think our ideal camera, if we were just designed one, mm-hmm. would probably be EF just because... There's we, so much glass. There's so much glass out there and we know there will continue to be that glass. Yeah. So I, so there's that. And, and so speaking of that, there's also like the red Komodo, mm-hmm. you know, 6,000 it's, Which it's RF, a, yeah. but it has to be adapted mm-hmm. to EF. Like it's not really working quite right with the RF. They, they've still got some kinks to work out and they're all around that similar price range. And the biggest difference is C log uh-huh. versus S log three or the so tone so much metadata or the red. Yeah. Like what's. I mean, what, and yes, you know, some are 4K, some are 6K. What's ideal thing for our shooting docs and our shooting features? What's the best camera for us? Something that we can run and gun and is always going to work. And preferably just has all the stuff built into it. That's, that, that, that more and more becomes such a huge selling point to me where I realize that it's probably not always the best option, right? Like they don't go film movies on an Ari Alexa and have, you know, the sound built into the camera and all that stuff. No, they just have a singular camera, but that's not what we're doing, right? We need to be able to have a two-man crew. Especially for dock work. Yeah, we need to be able to have a two-man crew where we can get decent sound on, where we can either send it to the camera via the subject or, or something that we can boom in or something that we can just simply put on the camera. I mean, that the sound has gotten pretty good directional sound. Uh, and then post-production of it has gotten pretty good to the fact where all these YouTubers, that's essentially all they do. You know, they just 
put a camera on, uh, they just put a microphone, like a decent mic, like a Sennheiser or whatever that we have on top of the camera. They shoot it and that's their sound. They don't have to sync and post. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff, which is a step that I'm not saying I loathe. It it really makes me not want to edit. Yeah. It makes me think, man, it'd be nice to have an assistant editor. Right. (laughs) Someone else to like do all the syncing for me. I'm going to send someone the dailies. You do all the syncing. Right. (laughs) I'll do the rest. You you do the rough cut. I'll come into polish. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Oh no, that's, that's what Hollywood does. That's what Hollywood does. Must be nice. (laughs) Um, so really something that has everything built in. Um, and that's, like I lean towards Canon a lot for that because number one, we have already got the glass. We've invested in the glass. Yeah. And that I like, if it, if the glass is the decision, I think it has to be the C70. Mm-hmm. I think the best dock camera might be the FX six for those that we're talking about. Right. And I think the best codec might be red. Right. So like they each have something that probably puts <laughs> them above the other. So what I don't know. Need is a Canon. They all have like 15, 16 stops of dynamic range, which is steps beyond anything we've shot before, More which than is we great. Need, realistically, <laughs> it's but it's it's like it's cheating. great. It's like cheating. Well, I want to cheat. <laughs> I really want to cheat. I want twenty stops of dynamic range. I don't want to have to light anything, and I want AI to do all of the grading for me. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, I think. Based on our preferences, we're probably saying the C70. Yeah. Um, Either that or, yeah, probably the C70. The one thing that makes me just a little bit leery is like, is there a better tool to give me the final final image? The final product. Like, am I going to like that C-log? Yeah. Two, three, or whatever that we can get on it. Versus like the reds. Yeah. Um, what you know, they shooting something raw. Yeah. Like, am I going to prefer a raw image over that? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, and it caps at 4k yeah. and it caps at 4k, but like reality is that we don't really need more than that. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before. Like why, why 6k, why 8k? Yeah. Post stabilization, which Sony has fixed with their metadata yeah weirdness that they, they do. have some really cool stuff for stabilization it's, it's one of those things that i really wish was my idea you know but at the same time like i want to know how that came about you know it's like all right well we don't want to put ibis in the camera well why not uh, we just don't want to do it well can we stabilize it in post yeah let's do that well okay i've got an idea here's what we're gonna do we're gonna write a line of code that's gonna catch all the bouncing oh okay well then, what do we, well, then what do we need? Well, we need a program to be able to read that later. Okay, well, then what do we need? Well, then we need that program to work with all the editing software out there to then stabilize the data and post. Like, who came with that idea? That was a great explanation <laughs> of it, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, how are we going to do it? I will just hide it in the metadata. It's fine. Yeah, and it's it's it works fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I've seen the results, and it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm that should not be that good. I mean, yes, it's, it's slightly weird, but it's almost, it's almost this look that I've come to actually kind of enjoy because it's not, Oh, it, it does it's make almost things. like that. Well, the, the, the weird, okay. something's more stable than it should be. Yeah. Okay. Game of shadows, uh, the, the Sherlock Holmes film. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember that one? So they did the this second ex- one. Yeah. They did this experiment where they're running through, right. And yep. their heads are stable. I was going to say Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Yeah, and their heads are stable, but nothing else. Now, guy, guy did this a few other times, right? Yeah. But this is the first time that I think. But before he just did it with a GoPro and a guy's face, right? And that was kind of that was weird, and it was very popular in sports at the time. You know, uh, uh, snowboarders would attach to their helmet, and everything would be moving around them except for their head. It was weird. Um, but then guy did it with this movie, and it just looked so cool, you know. It was stabilized in post. Obviously, they had a, the camera on a very stable plane. And they cropped. Um, they're cropped and stabilized in post. And it just looks really cool. Like, it, it it's a It's a really ethereal, cool effect. It, you know. Yeah. And I've done it a few times myself, and I love the way it looks. You know, especially, like, I'll do it with buildings or, or, or machinery or whatever that I'm, that I'm filming. So, 
I don't know. It's a look that I've kind of come to appreciate. It looks unnatural and it looks yes. really strange to a lot of people. A little bit surreal. Yeah. But, and somehow Sony has done it to where it looks like that's how it's supposed to be. You know, yeah. they stabilize the entire character instead of just like a part of them or something. Mm-hmm. The background moves around it, but it looks like that's how it's supposed to look. It's, it's brilliant. I, hats off to the software engineers that came up with it because it was great. So the FX6. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the A7S3 too, I believe has if it. If we were, yeah, if we were shooting more docks, I, I, I would lean towards Sony. Mm-hmm. If we needed, you know, higher than 4K, I would lean away from the C70. Mm-hmm. But like, because of the lenses we like, you know, it, it pushes us back that way. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I've been wanting to really play with black, black magic for a long time mm-hmm. and it's so much more affordable, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, it's when I think about it, I do think we would like a little more of the IO. Uh, you know, yeah. so a little more audio built in, a mm-hmm. little more, and yes, you can you can put one XLR mini port yeah. into it, and like there's there's some other things you I can think do. You can put two in the six K, right? I think it's got one. Does it? Without I don't know some sort of adapter, but like you know the C seventy and whatever. Like I think they yeah. can take two. They yeah. have a couple different ways up and handles and whatever. Like yeah, there's a couple different ways to do it. But like I think I don't know. Like if we're shooting a bunch of dock work, yeah, those. Those other cameras look really good. Yeah. If we're shooting more feature stuff, then ah, you have a little more control for what's going on. It's a little bit less necessary, but I it would be great to have to do less syncing and. So what's 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 the perfect camera then? Design the perfect camera. I don't know that I need something as small as the C seventy. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of. Th- I almost want to put the the RF mount on the FX six. I, well, here's, here's what I would say. Just because the FX six seems so foreign to me, right? Yeah. Just the way they set things up. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because we've been shooting with cannons and, and Lumixes for the past five years Several or whatever. Years, yeah. Um, and um, I mean, I, I grew up on a cannon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have the Sony handy cam, but it's, we did. We did. That was very different. Um, I, I would like something in the body of uh, a Canon, a C series, right? Mm-hmm. And not, not, necessarily, not necessarily the C, but but the full the full bodied C one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred, whatever, right? With that functionality, with six K <laughs> availability. Okay. The I would like the RF mount glass. Right, not because they necessarily want to pay for it, because it is extremely expensive, but it is also very good glass. But that's you know it can be easily adapted to the EF, which we already have a bunch of. Um, and then you know I would want I I kind of want the Sony metadata stuff built in. That, that's pretty cool stuff. That's that's pretty cool software. Uh with the ability to shoot red raw. <laughs> yeah. I like just if, if we had better, <laughs> if we had better, cause we know that, okay. So the Komodo, it's going to take the lenses we want, right? Yeah. It's going to have some great, great image. It's, it's great Kodak. It's got the global shutter, yes. which is really good. Mm-hmm. The others don't have that. But, you know, they're just starting to do autofocus. They're just starting some of the other things that as much as, you know, we want to shoot handheld and yeah. and manual and, and like get some beautiful images that way. And it's going to be a great camera for that. We also want to shoot docks yeah. where you're the one camera guy and you don't you can't control and everything. That's all you have. Right. And and I think I think Red's getting to a point where they're a little bit more. They're, they're starting to play well with others, whereas before they didn't. Before the Komodo, it, yeah. no, not at all. It was kind of a well, you have to buy our screen, which yeah. is a thousand bucks. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. You know, uh, it's color correct, <laughs> and, 
you know, it's a, it's OLED. Um, but, and that's, that's no longer the case. And I, th I think I see red slipping that way more. It's becoming more the camera available to the everyday filmmaker. Whereas before it was for the prosumer period. Those were the only people that got it, you know, like, and then they had their step up to their cinema cameras, which a lot of great films were made on. Uh, and I like the look of them, especially like in the anamorphic, you know, uh, I was, I was thinking about gamer the other day. One of the first movies I ever saw that I knew was shot on a red and I just thought it was awesome. You know, it's just, just visually, yeah. visually storytelling wise, that movie's really, really interesting. Um, I wish the 70, C70 had raw, like raw video. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I don't know why it doesn't. It's weird because the R5 does. <laughs> it yeah. makes zero sense. I, so, so it's, I don't know. I also think our R would pair well with it, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and, and I mean, I'm sure there's the go around like with the Atomus. You know, and and I would like to get the, um, I don't know what they even call it. It's like the Shogun now. Sh or Shogun the is seven? like the seven inch. 